You're tuned to the guard frequency, and as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 74 and was recorded on May 29th and made available for download June 2nd at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. So, what do we have this week, Tony? Well, this week's Squawk Box, I command ye, behold the power of lasers! In CIG News, we bring you the latest from around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update. We check in with the MISC Reliance sale and discuss some tidbits from around the verse and reverse the verse. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we hack all the things. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. And you folks had a few things to say about the secret soup that spilled last week. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, well, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week for free of charge, but it is nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We want to take a moment to thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope that you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. It's reflection Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. A few weeks ago, we tacked on a bit of breaking news to a Squawk Box segment. The Internet's had, that very evening, declared that a potential breakthrough in faster-than-light travel had been achieved. It was exciting, but too new and uncertain to rate its very own Squawk Box segment. We promised we'd keep one ear on the guard for you and follow up. Well, the complete and utter lack of follow-up on that story should tell you pretty much all you need to know. This week, we're going to offer a study in contrast, an alternative take, if you will, on the release of news about crazy frontiers in propulsion science. On the one hand, we have Harold Sonny White and his quasi-NASA-ish, not-quite-official lab, Eagleworks. They leaked a bit of news on a blog on a Friday night, after all the sciencey people had gone home for the weekend, that perhaps maybe an offbeat engine designed from an old microwave and a copper fireplace flue was making warp fields. On the other hand, we have Tengfei Zhang of Nankai University in Tianjin, China, who published a paper with 11 named collaborators, experimental details, raw data, and reproducible steps, who have shown that a sponge made from graphene can be levitated a foot in the air by a single laser beam. That's right, kids, meet your new intrastellar motor, a one-atomic-layer-thick sheet of pencil lead. Well, wait a minute, Tony, I hear you all say. Those quasi-NASA guys admitted that they needed to rerun the experiment in a vacuum to make sure that they were getting good data. So, these Chinese guys need to hold off until they can prove the same thing. Yeah, well, the Nankai team thought of that. Already done, it's not air currents. Well, you say, the laser's probably heating and ablating the material, causing it to be ejected backwards and pushing the sponge forward. Uh, no. Sorry, they thought of that, too. Well, then you say, let's not overlook the conventional thermionic effect governed by the Richardson equation, J equals A sub GT squared to the power of negative W over KT. Ha ha! You thought me you had me there. No, 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 no. The graphene sponge failed to reach the expected temperature threshold for efficient thermionic effects to occur. Man, you guys are smart. Oh, 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 you know what else the Nankai team did that the quasi-NASA team didn't? How about this? They came up with an explanation backed with data, you know, for how it works like that, do you? You see, they're thinking that the laser excites the electrons in the carbon so much that at some point the electrons contained in the carbon are just ejected off into space. They're pretty sure this is the case because the more laser power they pumped into the stuff, the higher it floated. And the higher frequency of the laser, the higher the sponge went. Oh, 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 and they also collected a bunch of electrons every time they turned it on. So there's that. Oh, but wait, there's more! They also took a look at the sponge made from the blackest carbon and thought, hey, that stuff should absorb pretty much any wavelength. So somebody took a lens from an overhead projector and focused some sunshine on it. Guess what? It moved. Science, 
Jazz. Yes, science! Coincidentally, the Planetary Society just launched their light sail project last week to test their non-graphene solar sail in orbit. Unfortunately, that mission is on hiatus while they wait for the onboard computer to hopefully reboot sometime. We'll have links in the show notes to that story, the New Scientist article describing the new solar sail from graphene, and to the paper itself, the scientific paper itself, which, by the way, is written in plain English, has nice charts and diagrams, and should be totally replicable by anybody who wants to try it. So... Anybody has some graphene handy, you know where to find me. Well, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty exciting stuff, actually. And I want to go back to the equation a little bit. Oh. What? You don't think I'm smart enough to understand the equation? You go back to the equation? <laughs> you have some problems with that? No, no, no. And my no. notation is wrong? I, I'm just. <clears throat> I, I'm just amazed that they even you know brought up the richardson equation well well you know it's a first paper you know so i'm sure someone else will try to think of something else that they forgot to mention but in it it was a stark contrast to me because i kind of rolled my eyes went oh yeah another big breakthrough but i'm like oh no they actually did a lot of homework on this one oh here's a link to the paper and oh the paper's in english and oh look at all the data they have (laughs) it's like they broke down the different wavelengths that they were using to test the laser on you know like a red one a blue one and a green one and the wavelength of the light it was and they showed the different power levels of a single frequency light they took the green laser and like reduced the input power to it and increased the input power to it and then nice chart of how high the sponge floated in the tube that they had set up in a vacuum so that was all I mean it was all it's like wow that's pretty quite rigorous science right there yeah I have a general question, and, and you guys can answer this in general response. But how long do you think it takes science like this to make it into the real world? That is a fascinating question, especially with graphene, because graphene is, like, awesome. It is. It's it just is. this amazing thing with all these amazing properties, and it's, like, super cool and everything. And, man, there's so much stuff it can do. It was discovered basically 13 years ago. Yeah, we're, we are looking at it in the in the computer industry as well as a solution for some nano computing stuff so yeah it's pretty amazing stuff oh yeah yeah it, it, the very first apparent you know apparently the first flakes of this stuff they were able to manufacture by peeling chunks of graphite off with adhesive tape scotch tape no joke i mean that's how they invented it the scotch tape but they were the, the flakes were too tiny they were too small and they weren't, weren't useful scale but now 13 years later they're up to like the square meter they're able to make about a square meter of the stuff at a time. You know, that's not industrial scale yet, but in 13 years, they've gone from a square millimeter to a square meter. So, a thousand times. Yeah, that's three by three feet. I mean, putting it in non-British terms, that's... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, yes, that's 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 one watermelon square, yeah. Lennon, you're the quiet one this time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I left you an opening, man. <laughs> yeah, um, I just, uh, you mentioned watermelon. Right? Mm, watermelon. watermelon. Breakfast. It was 80 here today. Mmm, watermelon. <laughs> Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, check your screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Crowdfunding update for May 29th, 2015, 83,417,000, up about another half million bucks. Star Citizens now number in the 902,000s, another barrier broken by us, the community, and the UEE fleet is up to 717,000 ships strong. The Misc Reliant has apparently sold pretty well. With at least 13,000 sold, the Misc Reliant is another fundraising hit for CIG. Now, whatever you think about ship concept sales, the team's ability to inspire Space Sim fans to open their minds to the gameplay possibilities and their wallets to the credit card charges is unparalleled. To fan the flames just a little bit higher, though, they've decided that the concept shipped Q&A that they did with the whole series should become a, quote, tradition. We went through the two-part posting to see what we could glean from the team's answers about the ship and the game's design and development in general. So, starting with the ship itself, what will the second player's duties be other than manning weapons? Why will it be better to run this ship with two players rather than solo? Of course, the answers are turret controls. If all the weapons are slave to the pilot, you really lose out on the massive coverage arcs the wing-tipped omni-orb turret offers the ship. So, whether in combat, working scanners, or working as a news reporter... Every variant was planned from the ground up to have a dedicated second seat gameplay available. I thought that was pretty interesting, especially I did too. the part about the news van. 
Yep. That one came up over and over again. It came up in the Around the Verse segment from Santa Monica. The guy that pitched the news van idea was really excited to see that it went through. We were excited about the news van, and here we are again with them mentioning the news van. This is exciting for a couple reasons. Number one, they're thinking about alternative modes of gameplay, not just combat, not just mining, not just piracy or hauling goods back and forth. They're thinking, we're going to have people who want to capture in-game events as they happen, or capture them and then make news stories with them later. They'll need to be physically present in the universe somewhere, and they'll need to have a device with which they can capture the footage they need. That device is going to have to be mounted to something with a wide field of view, and that person who's manning that camera probably won't be able to pilot the ship at the same time. So let's get a two-seater ship and we'll put a ball turret on the end of it and make it really maneuverable. Voila, Miss Grime. Well, I, I did think of another use after reading some of this last week. Oh, yeah? I served in the Air Force, and in the Air Force back in the 80s, and they still use them, I found out. In fact, they use them quite heavily. There was a MSOL or, or AFSC code that stood for the Air Combat Controller. The Air Combat Controller jumps in with a team and directs flights into a combat zone. To where they need to be, whether it's laying down arms or laying down supplies. And imagine a combat controller in a MISC in the second seat controlling the flow of the battle. So you'd have to have like a sensor pod or something right, like that. Right, exactly. Now you're getting... Yeah. I think that they're actually putting that into one of the seats of the capital ships, though, aren't they? I can't remember which station it was that they said. It might have been MSOL, like you were saying, where they're basically going to have, like, an RTS view, and they'll be able to give instructions to pilots and, you know, go to this objective, take on the ship. Yeah, and the second seat of the Super Hornet is supposed to be kind of a Rio sort of position as well, and that would be somebody that could do the same thing. And and, But Jeff's point's well taken is that you have a seat station that works in everything from the biggest capital ship down to a starter ship. And that is an excellent way to design a game so that you can expose even the newest players to a functionality or a seat assignment that will serve them no matter what size ship they're using or in what stage of the game that they're in or in what stage of sort of, you know, I guess commitment to the game that they've taken out. You can play that sort of roll if you spend 50 bucks or if you spend 500 bucks. And I think that's great. I think that's a, that's a good concept and they need to make sure they hammer that repeatedly as they as they flesh out those different seat assignments. Well, plus it'll also be good for just general battlefield decentralization. Yeah. So you're not just relying on one ship to be able to command and control. It means that if you had several reliance, any one of them could take over at any given point. Well, I think that the flexibility and the ability to dominate if you have friends. I think that's, that is going to be the essence of what Star Citizen is going to be about. The, the better coordinated team of people should win out over the better equipped bunch of guys. Well, and that, and I think that's the whole point of, of recreating a real life universe is that the fact is that we have a military, we have a military structure, we have a governmental structure, everything from the president rolls down, there, there are orders given, there are combat plans, there are generals, there are commanders and that kind of thing. I've never seen it well traveled into any game. Even Eve and, and all that stuff that has gone on before that are massive in their in their scope. I have never seen such coordination go on because everybody seems to want to do their own thing. Next question. Uh, start. We start to peel apart the layers a little bit and try to get into uh, what we can glean about the rest of the game development and design. And one of the questions that we spotted was, what role do you foresee for that news van variant? Can it be used as a recon role for live updates? And the answer from CIG was, yes, recon and reporting. The goal is to let the filming teams get the best picture from the safest distance possible. It won't be as potent as something like the Herald in terms of how many systems out it can directly broadcast, but it'll definitely be able to spread the word. Oh, oh, what? I'm sorry, are we now doing FTL communications? Yeah. That's what I was just wondering. Hmm. Uh, this this was a shocker to me. Have I missed something where they said that there's going to be, oh, you can go two systems away, but, you know, three systems away, no way, you can't do that. Uh, not as far as I'm aware. Jeff, did you see anything or heard anything? Uh, nope, not on that. Well, challenge for our listeners then. If they know of somewhere where they have said that, let us know. Yeah, tweet us back or send something through our feedback channels. But we've discussed a couple times in the past about how challenging it's going to be for there not to be some kind of FTL communications given that TeamSpeak, Mumble, just a variety of different VOIP solutions exist that gamers use every day. Well, heck, even Star System Light has a fairly decent in-games comm system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... 
it would, it's going to be tough. There would have to be a, a huge in-game advantage or trade-off for people to ditch their regular out-of-game team speaker or other servers and use the in-client one. And I, maybe they're starting to think about those trade-offs now. Maybe this is where it comes from. But that one kind of took me by surprise. Maybe it was just bad wording or unclear language selection on the part of the person drafting the answer to this. But that one jumped right out at me. So I was like, oh, I better bring this one up and talk about it. What if the Herald were to come with something like relay pods, for example? So every jump gate that you go through, you drop off a pod, and go through the next jump point, drop off a pod, go through the next jump point, and then you've got your own relay network rather than needing a Herald at each jump point. Whereas maybe the Reliant can only carry one of those. So what you're saying is that maybe what happens is that if you have a relay pod at both ends of a jump point, they can talk to each other. And so it's speed of light from where you are to the relay pod. The relay pod does its magic and then beams the thing through the jump point to the relay pod at the other end. And then the relay pod at the other end goes speed of light to the next jump point or to the system, you know, or to the planetary reception there. I, I, I don't know. I have a problem with that, especially if I understand the way the jump points work. And I saw that video of the navigation through there. I would think that radio and, and other things would be yeah. twisted. I, I mean, the... the gra- oh. Well, hang on, yeah, hang on. Hang on. Not, not broadcasting it through the jump point. So when you first map a jump point, you have to pilot it through you have to physically map out the corridors once you've done that once though your computer remembers the path you've taken so the second time you use that jump point you don't actually need to navigate it your computer will handle the navigation for you if your computer can handle the navigation on a big ship surely it can handle the navigation on something the size of like a you know a small probe or an orb send the probe through the jump point not the radio signal we're using the word broadcast and that again maybe it's just a poor choice of words maybe we're parsing it too closely but broadcast to me says wave, <laughs> and it's a continuous thing. Like right now, we're sort of, you know, quote, broadcasting over the internet right now. But on Tuesday, we do a dump, and then it's there to be picked up for who everybody wants it to be. I see the two as being a little different, and, you know, if you wanted to say it would be, you know, sent or, you know, not transmitted, maybe transmitted, maybe, you know, mailed, I don't know. But it, there, there, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't get the idea that it's a physical thing. Oh, yeah, they're probably not. I was just, you know, trying to come up with concepts for the game that we're building. Well, sure, okay, yeah. Well, anyway, I, th- 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 I thought I'd bring it up because that really sort of made me raise an eyebrow almost, almost up to my hairline, and I have a big forehead, people. Speaking of concepts, though, another question was, will the base concept model be capable of switching or loading various modules so that it can change mission variants? And the response was, it's going to have some flexibility with loadouts, but even inside its own variants, there's going to be limits to what you can set up. The base model and combat variant will be more interchangeable with each other, and the research and news van comparable to each other. It won't just be different parts on the same hull, though. Hmm. Hmm. You know, they, they said that the base model and the combat variant are going to be, you know, pretty much interchangeable, and the research and news van, and obviously there won't be too much cross between those two. Do you think that this is something that they're likely to roll out to other ships? To me, this is like a, one of those sort of, you know, which way is the wind blowing thing. And we've had this discussion mostly in the terms of the Cutlass Red uh, and the Med Bay there. But it, it seems to me that this is a design concept that we're probably going to be seeing a bunch. Is that if you want to have a Reliant that can do everything a Reliant can do, you're going to have to buy two Reliants. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not either. Yeah, yeah. It does kind of seem weird that there's going to be two different base models, effectively. Because you've got the, the base combat and the base non-combat. And I hate to bring up... Actually, I don't hate to bring up because... I think it makes a good counterpoint. Star Citizen Light. If you have the hull, you can do anything with it. As long as it fits within the size restrictions, you can push it in any direction you want. I like that model. And we've lobbied for that model here on the show over and over again. And I'm going to do it one more time. The idea is that if you buy the hull, you should be able to do anything that you want to or can with the hull as it's built. If you buy a Reliant turret it should go on any reliant if you buy a reliant power plant it should go on any reliant i'll go one better i i think like star citizen light they should go to a whole size thing where where you have a class of a b or c a being the top and b being you know mid-range and c being the lower and a size one two three four five six seven where things like the Aurora can mount one and twos and Connie's can do, you know, five and sixes and your capital ships can go whatever size. I don't want to see it restricted down to a type of ship 
or rely on only parts, I would like to see it be class and size. Well, and the thing, you know, maybe there's a compromise here. Maybe what they've done here is that on this version of the Reliant, it can only mount size 3 this, but this version of the Reliant can actually mount a size 4 that, and the minimum size laundry room is a size 4. So you can't get a laundry room in, in this version of the Reliant, but you can get it in this version of the Reliant. Hopefully what they've done is the first version of the Reliant has some other outstanding capability or some thing that's so super awesome that would make you want to buy that version and not the other one. That I can agree with because if you think about it, that's pretty correct. I'll use a, a car. I go to the car dealership. I want a car that's sporty on the outside, but I only want a little slant six engine in it. But hey, if I want to you know, lay out the bucks, I can get that same model of car, but I can put a Hemi in it. It's just a matter of what can be done. And I think that uh, you're right. I think you might get a Reliant that may be limited in the class and size, but you may get another Reliant version that may take another class and size. I can, I can live with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully it'll be all made clear later. But it's just I don't like I don't like that direction. As long as there's as long as there's some pushback the other direction opposite that, we're good. But I don't like the idea of having to buy two different versions of the same hull in order to do all the things that that hull can do. As long as we're moving, as long as we're not going full bore towards that concept, I, you know, that's fine. What is the difference between a Hornet and a Super Hornet? Second seat. Okay. And it comes with a ball turret. And the Ghost Hornet? The Ghost Hornet comes with the radar. Ghost Hornet's an ECM electronic countermeasure, electronic warfare setup. So it's chock full of radars and sensors. and. Okay, so can I make my Hornet do a Ghost Hornet's job? We think so, yes. And we would like it to be that way. Okay, okay. Because I was just thinking that, you know, since then that they actually... Genuine, I know I asked the question, are we going to see this on other ships? But thinking back to it, you've got three variants of the Hornet. Admittedly, one has a second seat, so... You know, that's clearly a different base model because it's got to be bigger to fit the second person in. Well, in a perfect world, I should be able to take out that second seat pod and add in an electronics warfare package pod and make my uh, my Super Hornet into a Ghost Hornet. Conceptually, yes. I agree with Jeff. As a concept, I would not... I don't want them to do too many Super Hornets. Maybe on, like, a model here and a model there, that's fine. But, I mean, I don't like the idea of this being just a, a thing that happens all the time. But, I mean, we've seen it again and again, you know, the Idris P and the Idris M. But they've said that you can convert an Idris P into an Idris M, but you have to go through some rigmarole that's going to be expensive and hard to do. Well, I'll use the the 300s as a a perfect example. When I first bought the 300, you know, the 300, was it the 15 or 25? The 325, it was supposed to be the, you know, that commercial, the fastest ship around. Well, then they changed the hull design and put in two engines and made a 350. Yeah. So, and the 350 airframe is not interchangeable with the 325 yeah, exactly. or the 315 or the 300. Yeah. So, I mean, they're doing it again and again. I think it's more or less baked into the design at this point. I'm just expressing my displeasure with the idea. But, I mean, it's probably something that's ingrained into how they design ships. It's probably in the last we'll see of it. But I want to, again, ask nicely and remind them that that's displeasing to a certain segment of the star citizen population. Me, for example. Jeff, for example. Lennon, I don't know. Eh, I'll come back. Eh. Lennon doesn't care. <laughs> okay. Given that the Reliant is a mini-hauler, can we expect to see main thrusters capable of moving it while it's fully laden? Its currently planned thrusters are fully capable when loaded. Keep in mind that the Reliant uses Xeon tech, and we still got a few surprises left for what really means as the ship gets closer to being pliable. This idea came up a few times in the Q&A. Xeon Tech is going to surprise us somehow. What could that be? Hmm. This is where we theorycraft and build a game we love. <laughs> like we haven't been theorycrafting on the rest of it. Right. This is brand new theorycrafting. This is a completely different theorycraft. I don't know. The Xeon Tech has always struck me more like the jellyfish from the Star Trek movie. It's that sort of super sleek, smooth, mm-hmm. everything circular, rotate I've got it. What's it? This is the ship that comes with a mini jump drive. For mini jump points? For mini jump points. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. 
Nice try. No, genuinely. I mean, it's it's got engine tech that we know nothing about. Who's to say that they haven't put something like that on it? Yeah, and they're, they're, these are specifically questions about the thrusters. That it was like, what's so great about these thrusters? And they're like, well, we got some surprises for the Xeon stuff. I mean, that they're they're specifically talking about the thrusters. I remember the Car Two All. They, you know, instead of having like main engines and moving thrusters, it just has a whole bunch of thrusters. So I'm wondering if it's connected to one of the game mechanics we have not yet been made privy to, like fuel. I'm wondering if it's like, you know, it's, oh, you yeah. get twice as far on a, on a gallon of gas as you do with the Xeon thrusters you do every place else. It could be something along the lines of energy density. Like you expend the same amount of fuel as everybody else does, but you have a much better boost rate. Or maybe it's something that you can increase your top speed with the Xeon thruster and you can't do that with everybody else in the game. So I'm I'm just wondering if there's if there's a game mechanic involved in it, not necessarily some sort of you know conceptual thing that we haven't seen. You brought up the Cartel, which is a good example. The way that that works is that it doesn't actually have a main engine, does it? It's just a series of thrusters that gimbal to mm-hmm. point you in the right direction. So yeah, maybe it's something like that that we're going to get. They 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 say surprises, and maybe there'll be a surprise to them too once they finally figure out what what the system is. <laughs> yeah. you know, we don't have a fuel mechanic yet. The, everyone's still arguing about what a TR one thruster actually will do. We don't have any kind of firm the flight model. You know, the flight physics model is still being sort of tweaked and worked on. So, might be a surprise to everyone. Well, we just went in through. Uh, we went through and picked up some highlights from around the verse and reverse the verse this week. I just picked up on a few things from around the verse. Tony Zurovec is starting up the Universe Simulator. Ooh. So this is a scratch run of the economy. We're planning on fixing every problem with every MMO ever in the history ever, as uh, our feedback mentioned last week. So you know, this is the first uh, run of that. John Pritchett. This I want. Maybe we'll have a little discussion on this. I don't know if you guys are interested in this, but it caught my eye. Big ship maneuvering is where he's working on next. And it's going to be more of a waypoint thing rather than a you know stick and throttle thing. Is that what you guys are expecting or par for the course or out of the left field or what? Uh, are we talking about large capital ships? Yeah. I don't see driving a capital ship via stick and rudder. I think it's going to be console commands, say like in Star yeah. Trek, where you're touching a keyboard and moving thrusters left and right, and, or setting up nav points and having the ship yeah. auto move. That's the direction Pritchett was headed with that. It's more like uh, Lennon mentioned, like an RTS view for um, the capital ship, you know, air controller. I think that's kind of where they're headed for uh, capital ship commands in this game. One thing that I'm curious about here, though, is that is, is it is it because they imagine these big ships are going to be like flying tool ships in space? You know, that sort of Star Trek feel of, oh, if it's got to move here, it's going to be big and slow because it's got to get all the engines up speed and then it's going to like be really yeah. difficult to turn and all that. Yep. Is that basically what they're going for? Yeah, yep. which has always struck me as kind of interesting because when you actually think about big ships, they are controlled by a wheel and rudder, which is effectively, you know, the sort of electronic joystick of today. So um, <laughs> I don't... I don't see why they couldn't be controlled by it. It probably makes more sense from an immersion point of view to be giving direct computer-controlled orders like waypoints to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't have joystick control. It would just be frustrating as heck because you'd probably just, you know, throttle up to full. Okay, now I've got to wait five minutes for it to actually get up to speed before I can even attempt to turn. This is John Pritchard, the, the physics programmer that they were talking to, and a lot of what he was talking about was the, as you were saying, the acceleration rates, right? I mean, uh, and we know from all the other discussions we've had that they're getting very granular with what weighs what and where it is on your ship. So if your engines are all at the back, that's where, you know, your center of mass will move farther back towards the rear of the ship. So if you want to maneuver, you're going to be pitching from a point at the back of the ship, not from towards the front of the ship. And so all those things are going to be worked on inside the physics engine. And so it probably makes a lot of sense from a gameplay point of view for you to not have to worry about that and just go, I want my ship to go here. And then you, it goes there. But I would like to be able to make some fine maneuvering adjustments via joystick. Like if your lower shields are down and you want to turn and rotate your ship so that your upper shields face the enemy. I think that would make sense from a joystick. I still think that's a little immersion breaking, for me at least. If you imagine your keyboard as a ship's console and you're rolling left and rolling right to fine-tune your ship, I I just... Hey, hey Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, I know. That's how I fly my Super Hornet. I know. (laughs) I mean, I I wouldn't mind it, but I'm just saying I think there should be the option. I'm saying there should be a control mechanism for it. I think that there should be, whether it's joystick or keyboard, that should be a control scheme available to the pilot of even one of these big ships. 
Well, the final thing that caught my eye was the debut of a uh, interesting little segment they called Witch Glitch. It was kind of a more of a podcast segment where three guys from Austin's QA team sat around a Yeti microphone, like the one I'm using right now to talk to you, and just basically went over five funny glitches that they uh, found and worked on while debugging Star Citizen. It was kind of entertaining. They had some fun and interesting sort of glitches on there. But apparently they've got some work to do as the blooper reel for the show reportedly is longer than the segment itself. And over to Reverse the Verse. Uh, Hey, Lennon, Lennon. Yes. There's going to be a Manchester Citizen Con. There is. There is. There's CIG people going there. How many people are going? They say they're going, but an undetermined number of them are going. Yeah, it's a bit of way for the big ones to travel, isn't it? I mean, most of the interaction that we have regarding Star Citizen is from the American branches. Very little do we actually get from Squadron 42 except for the section in sort of around the verse. But, you know, whenever they have interviews or they do press releases and anything of that nature, it's always the American side of it. So, yeah, it's a bit of a way for them to come. I wouldn't be too surprised there weren't too many that actually make it. You going to make it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I hope to. Okay, all right. Well, maybe we'll get some live reporting done by our intrepid man on the ground. Smooth Furnace won't make it. He's, he's another Yeah, he's, another he's a stateside one. So. Now, they went on to say a couple of comments about uh, the FPS module, and a couple of pieces of it I wanted to go over here, is that it's not only is the FPS module another module, it's also what's going to tie the entire game together. It's the one thing that all the aspects of the game will have in common. The social module relies heavily on the first-person shooter module. The multi-crew multiplayer relies heavily on the first-person shooter module. And that's a point that we brought up on the show before, but that's something that the, uh, the devs themselves are now sort of bringing to everybody's attention. And so, really, the Star Marine release, I think, is probably where we're going to mark the beginning of what we'll come to know as Star Citizen. Because that's, that's what makes Star Citizen different from Star Citizen Lite, and probably from every other game. I'll use our lingua franca again, Star Trek Online. It has a space combat section and a ground combat section, but the twain never meet. Uh, it's always it's two separate things, and this game's going to actually mush them together, hopefully pretty effectively. I know you lot aren't as excited about it as I am, but I'm really looking forward to the FPS module. I really like games like Planetside, where you can have the FPS and then you can just jump into some sort of airborne vehicles and fly around. This just kind of takes that to a whole new dimension. And like you said, it will tie in things like all the interactions that you'll have in Arena Commander AC 2.0, the multi-crew multiplayer one, the capture the address, you know, where you'll be able to eject from your Hornet fly into zero g sort of drift across to the open cargo bay of the Idris and land on there you know it's those sorts of things that we need the fps side for so i know i tend to give them a hard time about it but i would rather it was polished rather than you know just dumped than half broken which leads me quite nicely on to my next question where the f*** is the first person shooter module that is a fantastic question you're in the future now tony i am in the future now and i'm looking around don't know, don't see it. I'm starting to get uh, a little concerned, and that's why it's going to be this week's community question. It's June, and we still haven't changed the name of our segment to Where the F*** is the Multicrew Module? Is it time to start worrying about the release schedule again? Or has that train sailed into the wild blue deep black? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. And now it's time for news we didn't use. Want to know what it feels like to be actually awesome? Test drive the military lineup in the latest Free Fly Weekend. Far From Home, an old drifter's journal. One man's look at flying solo. Meet the Devs, episode 27, featuring Kirk Tomei, senior technical designer at CIG. And 10 for the producers, episode 7. Ever wanted to kill a guy and beat the enemy with a dead guy's leg? Well, they're working on it. Oh, oh, really? Ah! (laughs) Boy, I've never had that feeling until I started this podcast. (laughs) So now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's get cracking. Data cracking. And this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. 
And now, back to Leverpoint. You've got to decrypt that data. The princess is counting on us. I don't care how many cycles it takes. It's not about the cycles. I've got Watchdog on me. I thought you had apps and scripts to deal with Watchdog programs. I, I do, but that's not what I meant. No one escapes the Watchdog alive. This is the last time you hack a data node in my zone. <laughs> More like the last time anyone uses the public data node instead of a courier service. He's terrible at this. Oh, uh, but apparently he's improving. Well, evade! Do an Axio roll! You're not helping. Well, obviously I know a barrel roll would be more effective at creating lateral movement to confuse the sensors. Okay, okay, okay. I've got an intercept vector. I'll take care of this watchdog fellow. Oh, but don't get shot. We haven't filed the warranty forms on that new data interception gear. Well, you were supposed to send those off last week. You know what? Forget the gear. We don't have a spare Herald lying around either. Not to mention a Herald pilot or another expert hacker, which is why I'm writing to your rescue. Uh, wait a minute. Wait? That watchdog twit has stopped shooting at me. <laughs> is it possible you've actually done your job this time and taken him out? Uh, no, I think you corrected your mistake and lost him. He's lost me anyway. He's not on my scopes anymore. <laughs> well, now that I'm not running for my life, I can divert power back to the decryption module. Oh man, folks can be a little careless these days. These jump point data storage nodes are not as secure as people think. Yeah, they really should avoid the public nodes and invest in secure and reliable data couriers, like uh, like FDL Courier Service. Uh, there, I've just about downloaded the cache and decrypting. It's, uh, hang on, what's this? What are you doing? It's, uh, it's a musical collection. And there's a note here. Enjoy facing the music. Love, the Verster. Oh no, the Verster! He's hornswoggled us again! Oh, there was a hidden algorithm. Uh, my transponder is sending out messages on all bands. My exact location and my ID tag. Face the music. Oh no. Decrypt this. Will the crack team of crackers get away? Will they find the missing plans and return them to the princess? Will someone turn off that danged music? Tune in next week for the next chapter of Lever Point, brought to you by FTL Courier Service. FTL, when you care enough to make sure it actually gets there. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he has a master's degree in data plumbing, and his dissertation proved that leaks are bad for electronic fish. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. Last week's community question, in a hundred words or less, seriously, what's your take on the escape of the FPS module? Well, Haiku Knives writes in and clocks in at 68 words, says, There's good and bad about the leak. On one hand, it's more fuel for the hype train, seeing all the Vandal and Capital Plus-sized UEE ships. On the other hand, they're unfinished assets that are getting confused for finished ones by people on the fringe or outside of the community. The spoiler drama on the subreddit has also been a big drawback. On the other hand, that dreadnought. Daigoji in 38 words says, I for one am more excited and valid concerns about the fringe. That said, I somewhat feel this shows they are further along with many things than they let on because it isn't CR level for prime time ready. Inigo in 56 words says, Best nuggets for nuggets yet. Keep up the good work, guys. CryEngine probably aren't too happy with CIG at the moment, but these things happen. By the time we see episode 1 of Squadron 42, no one's going to remember this little poopah. And at 48 gigabytes, I know I won't be going looking at it, and I can say with some certainty, Jeff won't be either. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget the winky face. And the winky face didn't count as a word. (laughs) The con artist at 101 words says, I'm kind of shocked by the leak, partially because I don't remember the first leak too well. The one thing that hit me was that I saw minutes after Disco posted that picture on Twitter and thought, oh cool, looks like it's almost ready for us, then scrolled on past. I later remember seeing the same picture with the URL circled in red, but still thought nothing of it. I think some people either need to become subscribers for the vault updates or need to find a hobby, because CIG is already so transparent with their work. Amontatelado, 80 words. The way I see it, it wasn't a data leak. 
it was a URL leak, and the data that was then stolen, let's call it what it is, theft. CIG was negligent in not locking their doors, but that's no green light for those who stole and then broadcast the data. I am not surprised by the thieves' action, but I am disappointed. Doubly so for sites like PC Gamer for publishing what they know to be stolen assets. Shame on them. And Andy B replies to that with 99 words, saying... In effect, they forgot to lock their doors. Legally, that's not free reign to steal their stuff, although the internet being what it is, is not surprising that people did. And like you, I'm somewhat surprised to see supposedly reputable sites like PC Gamer republishing information unredacted. That's completely unnecessary to cover the story, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if CIG took that into account the next time they are deciding which magazines to provide exclusive content to, something PC Gamer and friends might come to regret when the FPS modules and Squadron 42 ship. Arkish Schranz comes with 96 words, and he says, I have to say I'm pretty disappointed with the leak. It's a little surprising, and I'm hoping that the team at CIG learn from this and take appropriate precautions in the future. Saying that... We, as the team helping, by playtesting and reporting, developing the game, should know that there's stuff in the back end that we're not supposed to know, see, or even have the slightest idea about. Now, even though people knew what the link was, what it contained, they should have copped the hell on and not touched what shouldn't be touched. But to the team at Guard Frequency, keep up the great work and keep bringing me my Nuggets for Nuggets dose. Compliment on the Nuggets segment didn't count. <laughs> CRS 529 wrote in 74 words, The data leak has certainly seemed to revitalize a lot of interest in the subreddit. All in all, I don't think it will have a profound negative impact at the end product, and it's been a nice reminder of the depth of game CIG is undertaking. It's easy to sit back and wonder why they're moving at a snail's pace, but there's plenty being done behind the scenes, even with the relative open development. Jethro underscore E7 comes in at 99 words. Can't it find there? It was interesting to watch people go into a meltdown. Immediately, there were claims that a huge areas would now need to be rewritten. Disco would be fired. The project was going to be delayed beyond words. This would be bad for the game. There would be criminal prosecution of people. And generally, the sky would be falling. I'm glad to say I haven't seen any of these things happen yet, and I don't expect them to. These things happen, and there were some spoilers, but probably not much more than a decent sneak peek. I guess CRG finally achieved open development. Knox Knight replies with only 35 words. Another great show. This is the first I've heard of the leak, so I was pretty excited to drive home and hunt down every last image available. Ha ha. Keep up the good work, fellas. Josh Milliken in 64 words. The data leak is nothing new, though it does show that it's about time for them to do an external audit of their systems and probably have their internal security group do an internal audit to see what they can find and tighten them. Need to do some best practices to start tightening things down before something major happens, like someone deleting assets. From Green Dragoon in 65 words across four tweets, I can't help but feel a small amount of ownership in the game, so the leak hurts a little. As far as a practical response, not much CRG can do. Push forward and learn from their mistakes. I personally ogle the ships, but I try to avoid Squadron 42 spoilers. I will say that the CryEngine tools are pretty readily available, so the fallout there may not be that great. Sayoldian writes in in 99 words, Absolutely hilarious nugget segment, guys. Great show. Leak? What leak? If there was one, it obviously wouldn't be shared by this amazing community who have pledged their hard-earned dollars for a dream to come true. No one would ever want to damage CIG or spoil the surprises they have in store for us. No one thinks that someone taking what doesn't belong to them without permission is right. Why should anyone think it's okay to do to CIG? That would be some twisted logic. Good thing this community is so good. A leak? No idea what you're talking about. The compliment on the Nugget segment did count against that one, and the sarcastic voice I used was complimentary. Fortune comes in at 97 words and says, This leak is a gut punch to CIG. I'm actually embarrassed for the community. I feel like someone just took a paparazzi snapshot of Chris Roberts with his pants down and posted it all over the internet. This leak has to have a demoralizing effect on CIG. The added security they'll now need to implement will also certainly slow down the game's production. Do we want that? I'm disappointed in, well, us. On the one hand, what do you expect from the internet? On the other hand, this is a community of backers, and I expected a modicum more self-control. First First Problems takes a break from turning classic hits from the 70s and 80s into Star Citizen love songs and writes exactly 100 words. I love surprises, and if there's anything CIG has been doing right, it's constantly surprising us with very cool content. 
data leaks like this can possibly do two things. One, show us that they're delivering on the promise, and two, set back resources and dates due to post-mortem analysis. On Jared's end, it was an accident, and we all have those, but in the end, we'll see how resilient the community is. Now I just want to take the time to use up the rest of my 100-word quota. So thanks, Guard Frequency. We love the show. Meow. <laughs> and for the official word, Ben Lesnick comes in with 82 words and says, Development will continue. Smiley face. We'll take some time to look at security and social media policy, but it isn't going to change how much we share or what our goals for Star Citizen are. I don't think there'll be a statement beyond asking that backers please do not share content that spoils elements of Squadron 42 for other players. I've asked that the mods keep everything off our forums, and other communities like Reddit are free to set their own rules. So let's do our own little post-mortem analysis on this. Let's do it. Jeff, what do you think? Well, I'm kind of surprised at the gaming magazine, but then again, uh, on, on a deeper thought, probably not. I mean, it's news to them, and they wanted to have the print out there, but shame on them for doing so. I think in the general consensus, I don't think this will have much impact on CIG. It's still disappointing. But I think things will go on as as they always have gone on. Just to comment on the PC Gamer thing, I think they stopped being a reputable gaming news site a long <laughs> time ago. They have always targeted Star Citizen as being vaporware, and especially with the amount that Star Citizen charge for their ships, they genuinely don't hesitate in taking a stab at anyone who's backed the game for backing an imaginary product and flushing your money down the drain. So, naturally, as soon as there was a leak, I am really not surprised that they went to tabloid levels of journalism on this. I still stand by what I said last week, though, that I think that the community does need to take some responsibility, but I do like the way that CIG has handled it, which is, effectively, you know, it happens. We're not going to slow down or stop development. They're going to take a look at their social media policy, which I think I loosely mentioned that before, about having to pre-vet Chris before he says something on 10 for the chairman. Yeah. They're just going to do the same with every bit of media that goes out now. So, yeah, it's going to be a tightening of the reins. But if that stops things like this type of data leak, which I think is the first one, because the last one was actually, didn't somebody look at something in the launcher and spot where the bugs were being sent to a Jira install? So I'd possibly yeah, say the, that that was Jira, more of a hack yeah. than a leak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it's great. They just said, this sort of stuff happens. Don't spoil it on our forums and we'll be cool with it. Which, yeah, that's a fantastic attitude. Well, I think, like I said, once again, Ben has earned his Kenobi middle name that I've uh, given him. I mean, this was a, a wise and balanced decision from him as, as far as an official response goes. They're going to have to devote resources to stopping future leaks. I think I am I am 99% sure that they are going to be devoting some resources in the background to at least determining where some of the stuff went first. I think they almost sort of have to, but we're never going to hear. We're never going to hear about that. Even if they if they do devote resources to it, and if that uh, hunt is successful, I sincerely doubt we're ever going to hear about what it, what happens with it. And I think as, that's as it should be. So we go on to general feedback, and Permanent Starlight says news we didn't use at London Rich's bug smashes. Sound like it came straight from the ninth circle of hell. More, please. <laughs> and he also continues on with good news about the FPS delay. It is that I got a sense that Austin is all set to release social. I bet it'll come within a month of FPS. Abaddon314159 says, I love the show and just became a Patreon backer. Feedback spoilers! That said, with regards to this week's episode, take it easy with the soapbox, guys. Deploy my own soapbox, he says. Your show doesn't and shouldn't spend enough time on in-real-life politics to do any issue like the TPP justice. I think that if you can't tie the politics into the podcast theme in a more obvious way, then it feels like you're talking about politics at the expense of time that could be spent talking about the things I actually listen to the podcast for. In the end, it came across, to me anyways, as off-topic and preachy without tying it back to why I, the Star Citizen and Guard Frequency fan, should care. Anyway, still love the show. Well, clearly he does because he's backing it, and this is feedback, constructive feedback that we take seriously, and I think it deserves a response. We try to do that, and if you're feeling like I didn't do a good enough job of that last week, well, let me try to make it up to you now. Anytime that we feel like something is going to hurt our ability to bring the show to you, we're going to bring that up. Now, uh, I try to do it kind of in a funny ha-ha way, and I end up devoting a lot of time to you know the soapbox ambush. Probably I won't do that anymore thanks to this feedback. But what I'll do from now on is bring it back to a little, a little better tying to what it is. 
the TPP is going to restrict intellectual property in a lot of ways, a lot of ways that we thought we had beaten off a long time ago, a year ago at least. Uh, restrictions on um, fair use, restrictions on internet content and transmissibility, um, restrictions uh, that could uh, really impact free speech and the ability for people to do the things they want to do locally and share it globally. That's where we're coming in with this. Even in the slightest amount, it could affect the ability for people like us to bring this show to people like you at the price point that we do now. We don't have to pay licensing fees to big companies. We get permission to use our music from a guy that makes music and said it was okay. You know, that kind of intellectual property use does not jibe with large multinational corporations. If they make it so that anybody that records a podcast and transmits it over the internet has to have a license from ASCAP, we're not going to have music in the show. And music is a big part of the show. So even tangentially, that could affect us, our ability to bring you the show that you guys like every week. So thank you very much for the feedback of that, and we take that sort of thing very seriously, and you deserve a full response to it. Hope that helped. Carrying on with the general feedback, Sean Newboy says, always happy to amusingly confuse people. Currently working on getting financial approval for Reliant and Mustang purchases. Wish me luck. Wonderful show, everyone. I had never heard of artisanal bureaucracy. Sounds very new and fresh. Oh, yeah. It's the latest thing. Everyone's going to be doing it soon. KJ Taiwan gives us a URL and says for all your dead air moments while recording. Yes, that URL goes to a orchestral ensemble doing The Girl from Ipanema. So, we don't um, need no orchestra. We've got an ensemble here. Yes. Let's do it. Ready on the count of three. Yeah, yeah, One, yeah. two, three. <laughs> 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 uh, featuring solo by Tony. That's right. That's right. I got my solo. Yes. <laughs> Mother be so proud. Our new patrons this week is Michael and Questions both. Our winner is Michael. Also, if your name is Chris and you've never gotten a sticker, it's because Shiv doesn't have your address. Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. Sorry, is he like fishing for Chris Roberts' address here? Is that what it is? You know, if, if your name happens to be Chris and you're kind of involved with Star Citizen in some way. And you just had a, a birthday. called Aaron. You've just had a birthday. Send us your address. We'd love to give you a sticker. <laughs> that's like, that's a really clever way to stalk somebody. That really is. Yeah, yeah. We are so close to our $50 per show community goal. We are so close that we've started artwork on the patches. If just eight more listeners, not even 1% of you people listening out there, chip in $1.25 per show, we will hit that goal. And if we hit this week, we'll give away the last of our first run of T-shirts. I have one XL, two Ls, five Ms, and one S left from the batch that we printed up last year. The patron with the highest pledge gets first pick of the sizes. And a reminder of this week's community question. It's June, and we still haven't changed the name of our segment to Where the F*** is the Multi-Crew Module? Is it time to start worrying about the release schedule again? Or has that train sailed into the wild blue deep black? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Did we successfully patch our leaks, or is there still a little bit of seepage? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can also subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 74 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 75 on June the 9th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways that you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? You want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at GuardFrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to PriorityOnePodcast.com. And it seems like the announcements are coming fast and furious these days, but we want to wish Cookie Cupcakes good luck on her new podcast with Elijah as she also steps down from the mic at Priority One. 
So good luck on that new show, guys. We're looking forward to hearing it when it comes out sometime in the next uh, whenever. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization guard frequency response at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash org forward slash guard freak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording our new time around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalrubin Lomaster, our artist, Simon Jordan Edwards, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lovely. Reduce thrust. I think some people even need either Montiot a month uh, I'm going to have a problem with this I did it last week Josh McKillican M- uh, McKillican <laughs> Mil- Milliken Milliken okay so thanks card frequency we love the show meow <laughs> <laughs> the official word from Ben Lesnick was given in about a paragraph it wasn't much more than 100 words as a matter of fact while we're sitting here I'll just analyze it here uh, copy paste it into the thing and we'll find out exactly how many words he used. If it comes in at a hundred, I'll be very, very proud of him. Hang on one second. Uh, somebody make good radio or listen to my cat while I do this. Is that your cat? Uh, is, is that, that first verse? They in kind your of house? ended the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take some time to look at our security and social media policy. Damn it, cat, shut up. Shut up, cat. I was not needing a response to that. Shut up. <laughs> I had never heard of artisanal broccoli. Ah, I knew I was going to trip over that. I had it's ne- very hard. It's, it's hard, you know, the first time you say it. You have to really practice it a few times before you get artisanal bureaucracy to roll off the tongue. Right. I had never heard of artisanal broccoli. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> say it with me slowly now. Artisanal, artisanal bureaucracy. And a reminder of this week's community question. That I forgot to copy and paste over something. It's I have to go June. Back and that's going to do it for this week's show. Do we success? We'll be back with episode 75 on not June the 2nd, because I think that's when this one releases. Yeah, um, so it could be June the 9th, because seven days later. So I'm good like mm. that. Math. Yeah. Math. We'll be back with episode 75 on June the 9th. I forgot. <laughs> Uh, sorry. <laughs> Math good, memory bad. Mm, yes. Face the music. Oh no. Decrypt this. <laughs> and scene. And scene. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you very much. Oh, so, uh, so uh, this bit's going to get cut, don't worry, but uh, it's the 30th for you. Welcome to the future. Yes, I'm in the future now. I have my own yes. silver pants and everything. Oh, how, how do they fit? Oh, kind of tight, kind of bunchy. Yeah. I love being stuck in the past. <laughs> <laughs> what, with your natural fibers? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. I can tell, I can say, and you're going to bleep it, and you can say where the is the first person shooter module this is kind Jeff, of you bleep. don't listen to the show it gets bleeped every week every single week there was Jeff, one week it gets ago. bleeped that's part of the joke man getting it from all angles this week i'm cranky you can tell i can tell you need to you go can to tell bed. it's past my bedtime to be yeah. fair for all the audience knows it could be uh where the f***ing head <laughs> the door Whatever it was. Oh, that turned out well, didn't it? That was great.
Oh, that turned out beautifully. I was so I was so pleased. We got a lot of feedback on it too. We'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. We got a lot of a lot of good feedback. Okay. Anyway, sorry. So, um, where the f- yeah. is the first person shooter module? All right, take us out, Jeffrey. Wait, we're, no discussion. No. Oh, do we have what? WTFITFP? We were just twice? here, Jeff. We just did. <laughs> yeah, that. but it says it shows. We had twice. a big discussion about how it gets bleeped out every week. No, but it's a community it's, question based on that question. Yeah, it's twice in the copy. God. <laughs> Hang on. Let, let me just do a quick straw poll. Uh, Tony, Star Citizen Light? Yes. Yeah, Jeff, Star Citizen Light? No. Uh, whatever. Lennon, Star <laughs> Citizen Light? Yes. Right, go. <laughs> 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 this is what happens when Lennon's not around. I know. It's been the Witcher the while. It's been Witcher three, Lennon. We missed you terribly. It's been the Witcher three. In case you really wanted to know. Hey guys, at Witch Glitch, that's our job. Okay. Yeah. Really, you're on our turf. Having said that, though, the blooper for this show is sometimes being longer than the actual content. So, I, I know where they're no. coming from. No, no. Well, that can't be. We talk a lot. Yeah. A lot of it does make it into the show. I was going to say, but a lot of it is crap. <laughs> so, hey. The parts that make it into the show are something. Hey. Crap. My shit don't stink, man. <laughs> 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 <laughs>